Our Bible reading today is from Ruth chapter 4, starting on page 269 of the Bibles in the Pews. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, 
Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. They say that everyone loves a happy ending, and especially so when it wasn't a happy beginning. Certainly that was the case for Naomi. They were afflicted with a famine, they had to go away, and they lived in a foreign country, but her husband and her two sons died. She came back empty and bitter, sure that the Lord had stopped showing kindness. But as it turned out, Ruth went to the field of Boaz and found favour in his eyes, and it turned out he was a relative. So even Naomi could see the Lord had not stopped showing his kindness. So knowing the Lord's kindness, Naomi and Ruth took the initiative, and Boaz promised to see things through, but there was a problem, a competitor to Boaz, someone who might step in and get the girl. But they waited patiently and confidently. Sure enough, chapter 4, the problem is resolved and we get our happy ending. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. A wedding, a new birth, a new family. All the hopes, all the prayers of the story so far have been answered. Naomi prayed, may the Lord show kindness to you. May you find rest in the home of another husband. Boaz prayed, May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, under whose wings you have taken refuge. What happens? Ruth finds rest. She finds refuge under Boaz's wings. And not just a happy ending for Ruth. Naomi, the woman who was without, who had come back empty and was bitter. How does it turn out for her? Verse 16. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. It's not an end to her grief, is it? She has still lost her husband and her two sons. Nothing will replace them. But she had come back empty and now she is full. She had come back bitter and now she has joy. She had come back hopeless. And now she had hope. In the midst of the people doing evil, of them being oppressed in the days of the judges, the Lord in his kindness brought rest to two seemingly insignificant afflicted women. The Lord can give rest to those who are Afflicted. 
On Thursday this week, I went to visit a member of our evening congregation, whom some of you know, Russell Donaldson. Last week, he suddenly, without warning, suffered a stroke caused by a bleed on the brain. I knew that he couldn't move on the right side. I knew that he could not talk. But actually, seeing him like that was very confronting. I reminded him as I talked, and he listened, I reminded him of the story of Ruth that he'd been hearing at church and in his growth group. And as I talked of that, he communicated all right, for his eyes lit up with recognition. He knew the story that the Lord had not stopped showing his kindness, and that's exactly what I reminded him of. Russell, the Lord has not forgotten you. You are not too small for him to hear your prayers. He can bring good in this situation. Perhaps you feel afflicted and without hope in your situation and you wonder whether God is too busy to be concerned with you. The book of Ruth shows us, doesn't it? That God hears prayers that even when there is great difficulty, he can heal, he can restore, he can bless. And every day he gives signs of his kindness. We know that he is not against us and that he works in all things for the good of those who love him. Hear very clearly this morning in the book of Ruth. In his kindness, the Lord gives rest to the afflicted. Do you know that? But we need more, I think, don't we, than the possibility of a happy ending in our afflictions. We need a real hope. And the book of Ruth, this chapter 4, shows us how God does that and shows us to whom he gives it. Point two, the Lord gives rest through his faithful redeemer. In chapter one, Naomi was very focused on the need for someone new to marry Ruth. It was not just that uh, it's a patriarchal society, she needs a husband to provide for her and they are poor. No, without a husband, the family of Elimelech, Naomi's husband, the family will die out. It will come to an end. They will lose their inheritance in God's land. But she knew that God had commanded a way to fix that. If a man was to die and his widow survived, the man's brother was to marry her, redeem her. He would buy the land belonging to her, marry her and have children for his brother. This seems strange to those of us with Western ears, though interestingly in our growth group this week, it made a lot of sense to those from other cultures. In Naomi's case, uh, her, her sons are gone. There are no brothers and she says, I am too old. It is hopeless. But in chapter 2, we realise that Naomi had, Naomi had forgotten God's solution. If there were no brothers, a close relative would do a guardian redeemer. 
And so when Ruth returns full of food from a field and Naomi asks who, and the answer is Boaz, Naomi realizes the Lord is giving rest through his Redeemer. But what sort of Redeemer is needed? Is it just any close relative? No, we have a tale of two Redeemers in chapter 4. There is a man who's a closer relative. And so Boaz talks to him, verse 3. Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so that I will know. No one has the right to do it except you and I am next in line. He offers it to this man. They both know the law. He should acquire the property for the dead man's family. So he says, yes. Why not, he thinks. It will cost me money, but I'll get some land. And then Boaz reminds him, it's not just the property. It's not just the money. Verse 5, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. You will pay for the property, but you must marry the widow and provide for her and for the children, and they will not be your children, legally, and the land will not be your land. Your children that you have already will not inherit it. Are you willing, Boaz says, are you willing to pay the cost to redeem those in need? Now the picture becomes clearer for this man and he knows what he cannot do. Verse 6. Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. The expectation is that he will do it. The obligation is that he will do it because this is really important. There is someone in need and the family must maintain their land in God's land. Well, he removes his sandal, an interesting one for the lawyers here this morning. That's how you seal a contract, a sale of land. But in Deuteronomy 25, it's such a shame that he will not do this that the widow is allowed to step forward take off the man's sandal and spit in his face. And from that point onward, his family would be called the family of the unsandaled. The author doesn't record that. Instead, the author simply does not tell us the man's name. It's not worth knowing. He's a redeemer. He's an unfaithful Redeemer, You need someone better than this. And imagine if he was the only one available. Thankfully, Boaz not only loves Ruth, but is willing to pay the price. How is it that the Lord gives rest to the afflicted? It's through his faithful Redeemer. Someone who is able and who is willing to pay Price. But is there something bigger here 
in chapter 4. It's just a family affair, isn't it? Point three, the Lord gives rest through his Redeemer King to his rebellious people. In chapter 4, there's great clues, I think, that something bigger is happening than just for Naomi and Ruth. The climax for them is there in verse 13, isn't it? But it's very short. You expect the proposal, the wedding and the honeymoon at least. And all you get is they got married and they had a baby. Suddenly, it becomes a community event. Ruth and Naomi and Boaz say nothing. Instead, the women speak, verse 14. Praise be to the Lord who has this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. It's the women, indeed, who name the baby, as if he belongs to them. And this baby, there are great expectations. The elders say, may this woman Ruth be like Rachel and Leah who together produced 12 sons. No pressure, Ruth. Great expectations. Obed, verse 14, will be famous throughout Israel. How? What is going to happen for God's people? You're on the edge of your seat. There is something big happening here, bigger than we had imagined all the way through the story. And then finally you get the answer in verse 17. The The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Imagine a movie about apartheid in South Africa, about the struggles and the injustice and the discrimination, and you focus on one family. You follow them through as the the black couple fall in love and get married, and then finally the movie ends... And it ends with them having a baby, a happy ending in the midst of all that struggle. And the movie ends simply this way. They named him Nelson. And then the little prologue comes up on the screen in text. Nelson Mandela was the first black president of South Africa. And it suddenly dawns on you the whole movie has been about something That is what is happening here. In the days of the judges, when everyone did what was right in their own eyes, there was no one to protect them, no one to provide for them. At the end of the book of Judges, there was no deliverer from God. God seemed silent. He seemed absent, simply giving them what they deserved. In those days, there was no king. They are the last words of the book of Judges. And the very next words, in the days when the judges ruled, the book of Ruth. How does God give rest to his rebellious people? Generously, through this ordinary family. He is already at work through the days of the judges, getting ready his Redeemer King. What a light in the darkness. The Lord gives rest through his Redeemer King to his rebellious people. How does that give hope for us? Finally, the Lord gives rest through his Redeemer King to all nations. Finally, the story finishes. And the last bit is like the credits of a movie, isn't it? You know it's time to walk out. 
But no, the last bit is the genealogy. It's the whole point of the story. And you should recognise it if you know the Bible a little. You might not be able to pronounce the names, but they should look familiar. At the start of the New Testament part of the Bible, there is a real birth of a baby into a real, seemingly insignificant family. And Matthew says, This is the family line of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he leads with a genealogy, and he does a simple copy and paste of the last lines of the book of Ruth. Verse 18 to 22, he simply copies them out. Except that because you haven't just read the book of Ruth, he reminds you of Ruth, verse 21. He pops in, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Do you see Ruth the Moabitess, she's not a Jew, is accepted into God's people. More than that, God uses her in the family line, the family tree of his faithful Redeemer King, Jesus. Right at the end of the New Testament, the end of the Bible, in Revelation 5, we see the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb who had been slain. We're told with his blood he purchased, he paid the price to buy people from every tribe and nation and language. The Lord gives rest through his Redeemer King to all nations. To be honest, I found visiting Russell, who I knew as an eloquent, clever and very funny man. I found it very confronting. And to be honest, I found it awkward reminding him about the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth ends with a happy ending. And when someone has a stroke, you don't know how it will end up, do you? There's immediate symptoms, and you don't know how the recovery will go. And I think, I think probably Russell knows that. It is good to know that the Lord can show his kindness, that he is showing his kindness every day, that he is always at work for our good. But in life, we often don't know how it will end up. But the book of Ruth does more than just show us that God can bring a happy ending in the here and now. It points us to what we really need, a faithful redeemer, who is willing to pay the price to purchase us by his blood and will bring us the ultimate happy ending. Revelation 7 says, The Lamb will be our shepherd. Never again will we hunger. Never again will we thirst. God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. This is the real hope that the book of Ruth shows us. Do you know this real hope? Will you keep your eyes on this real hope? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the delight of seeing your good work, this happy ending for the people in the book of Ruth. 
But Father, we thank you so much more that this points us to so much, to something so much bigger for all people from all nations who trust in our Redeemer King. Father, help us to see this hope and trust in it, to trust in his blood and to look forward to this ending. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this life I live. I live for him who paid the price. My mistake. Sing, oh, praise the name, because after that, where else might we cast our mind but to Calvary and what Jesus has done to give us the sure hope that we have? <laughs>